We are busy with this series, the top 10 hits, the top 10 things that Jesus spoke about the most, uh, 10 topics that was on his mind. Let me just recap quickly. Jesus came from God, for God, by God, to display God to the world, in flesh, to human fleshly beings. That was his main message. His main message was this, God. He came to talk about God. He also came to tell us that we can go to God, which was an incredible message. Not only is God great, but hey, here's the way that you can get there. We can live with God. We can experience the greatest things of earth eternally in the presence of God. He was a first-hand witness of the things that transpire in the presence of God. We call that what? We call it heaven. And so Jesus came. Firstly, he spoke about God. And secondly, he spoke about, he spoke about heaven. At the top of the list of the most favorite things that Jesus wanted to talk about was his father, the person and the place where his father lived, which is heaven. In his mind, the greatest and most important things inside of our universe and outside of our universe is God and the place where he lives. But what about the third one? What is his third topic? This, this one is pretty Different. 376 times Jesus referred to God. 273 times, about 100 less, he refers to heaven. And 172 times Jesus refers to hell. The third most spoken topic of Jesus was hell. The place where God is absent. A preacher asked his congregation, how many of you want to go to heaven? Please stand up. Everyone stood up. Please be seated, he said. Now, how many of you would like to go to hell? Please stand up. For a while, no one moved. Then finally, one man stood up. The preacher looked at him in surprise. He said, you want to go to hell? He said, yes. No, not, not really. I don't really want to go to hell, but... I, I hated seeing you stand there alone. <laughs> I read something this week which struck me, which was quite funny. 60, 67% of American adults believe in hell, but less than 25% believe that they will go there, while 25% of those believe their friends will. <laughs> You've got the wrong friends, man. <laughs> Imagine answering a poll. Who do you think is going to go to hell? I think my friends are. I'm not going to hell, but they are. Anyways. There is a place where you want to go. And that is where God is. There is a place where you don't want to go. And that is where God is not. Eternal bliss is real. Jesus spoke about it. He is our Lord and we believe that he's God in flesh. So if he spoke about eternal bliss and he spoke about heaven, then heaven is real. But if the same man speaks about eternal damnation, then that must be real too. Both are real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Because Jesus spoke about both. Some preachers like speaking about hell. Um, especially in the churches of Christ I grew up in. That was the greatest sermons. The worse it can be for us, the better the sermon is. The more it condemns us and damns us and gets us into the fire of hell, the better the sermon is. I don't like speaking about hell. Because I don't think it's fun, to be honest with you. And I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a cool place to go. 
And I don't think it's a cool thing to speak about. But if Jesus spoke about it, we have to deal with it. A pastor really loved hot mustard. I've also had some here in the States. Some mustard, you just have like a small droplet and it feels like your whole sinus system is going to explode. So this pastor really loved hot mustard and offered some to a friend who swallowed a big spoonful. What a mistake. When the friend was finally able to talk, he grated. I've heard plenty of preachers preaching hellfire. But you're the first one I've met who actually gives out samples. We make jokes about hell, but it isn't a joke. We either joke about it or we don't talk about it. As someone who has said, um, we have treated the topic like the embarrassing uncle of the family that we want to hide from the public. Hell is a difficult topic to talk to, especially to people who don't believe in God. It's very difficult. That there's this supposed loving God who sends people to hell. How do we deal with this concept of hell that Jesus would die on a cross for people, this this loving, self-sacrificial lamb uh, who who gives up everything for us is the same person that says, hey, you're going to burn forever in fire. The people he dies for, the same type of people, the same beings that he created will end up in eternal damnation. How do we make sense of that? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that a little bit. The word hell is used in the New Testament only 12 times, by the way. Just 12 times. The Greek word Gehenna is only used 12 times. And that refers to the value of Ben-Hinnom. And I'll give you an ex- example here. This is Mark chapter 9, verse 48. Um, it talks about people being thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die. And the fire is not quenched. And the, the concept that is taking place here is that Jesus is, is standing in Jerusalem. And he is or near Jerusalem. And he looks over to the valley of Ben-Hinnom. Which was a specific valley where they used to throw all the carcasses and all the rubbish. In those days they didn't have plastic bags that we had. But it was anim, animal leftovers and skins and bones and the rubbish from the city. And it, it produced a stench and there was always maggots. And they had to put up fire, put out fires so to take care of the smell that came from the gases of the dead animals. And so when Jesus talks about hell, which is Gehenna, which is a, let's say, a shorter word for the valley of Ben-Hinnom, that's what he's referring to. He's saying it's like that place there. The people are listening to Jesus preaching and he says, well, it's, it's like that, where the worm never dies. So the maggots, they just continue forever and ever and ever. And the fire never stops. It just continues forever and ever. Jesus is trying to depict What this place would be like. But there are so many other words. and So many other references to hell in different ways. I'll repeat them to you. Destruction. Pit. Judgment. The place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. On whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Cut it down. Perish. Slay them in my presence. Thrown out. Thrown away. Thrown into the fire. Thrown into the furnace. Thrown into prison. Outside. Out to darkness. Burned. Fire. Eternal fire. Unquenchable fire. Fiery. Furnace. Worm. I will also deny him. Lose. Woe. Torture. Taken away. Depart. I do not know you. Depart from me. Condemned. Condemned. Condemnation. Ashamed. Your soul is required of you. Erase his name from the book of life. And eternal punishment. These are words, phrases that Jesus perpetually uses to refer to the same place. This place called hell. Hearing these words, I don't know what you think, but that's bad. These are bad words. 
But before I explain them, let's not forget that Jesus spoke over 300 times about his father, over 200 times about heaven, and just under 200 times about hell. What is most important to him? We have to remember this. I'm going to say this carefully because I want us to hear this. Don't let your commitment to God rely solely on your fear of hell. Many people, they become Christians because they fear hell. That's the sole reason. If they go back, well, why did you get baptized? Well, I don't want to go to hell. The preacher said, be baptized or burn forever in hell. So I got baptized because that's the choices I had. I want to submit to you today, that is not the heart and the mind of God. It has to sink in. I firmly believe that the teachings of hell isn't in the Bible to scare us into God's arms. The teaching of God and heaven is there to call us into God's arms through good news. The doctrine of hell from God is not this. Obey God. Or burn. You might say, okay, well, what is the message then? Uh, That's why we have this lesson today. Woohoo! Okay, so four important facts about hell that I want us to start off with. Four important facts. Let's just unpack this quickly. Hell was not made for us. Hell isn't made for us. I'm sure many of you know this. Those of you who don't know this, let's read the text. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Hell is a place that was designed by God for Satan and his angels, not for us. The godless world depicts God as the vicious being who created a place of pain and torture because we humans hurt his feelings for not doing what he says. That is not the conception of hell. All of that falls on its head with this text. God never had us in mind when he created the place. He prepared hell for spiritual beings that rebelled against him. And as the sovereign ruler of the universe, he has the full right to do that. If he is holy, then he has the full power to remove from his presence the unholy and the rebellious. So God set before every man a choice. We have a choice. Every human being on earth has got this choice. Adam and Eve had a choice to eat of the tree or or not. Uh, The Israelites had a choice when Moses uh, parked with them before they entered the promised land. He said, choose today who you will serve. This day I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. On Mount Carmel, the prophets had a choice as well. Choose this day whom you will serve. If Baal is God, then serve Baal. If Yahweh is God, then serve Yahweh. The people of Jesus' day had the same challenge when Jesus spoke to them on numerous occasions. On one occasion, he said to them, well, basically there's two roads. I call it the highway to hell and the gravel to glory. And so you've got to decide which road are you going to take. There's two roads. There's two gates. You have to make the choice. We have a choice. Good and God ending in heaven or Satan and evil ending in hell. So hell was not made for us, number one. Number two, hell is not a physical place. I remember a few years ago, this, this um, video surfaced and, and this, this recording surfaced in a Siberia where they, 
I think they drilled the deepest hole in the world. I think it's still there today. And they recorded sounds that came from that hole. That sounded like people screaming and crying in anguish. And this video went around, or this recording went around, which sounds really terrifying, saying, well, they've, they've literally drilled into hell. And that's the noises that you hear from there. Well, let's look at this quickly. Here's a text. Matthew 8 verse 12, But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What do we know about hell? Well, it seems like it's a dark place. Then we go to next verse, uh, Matthew 18 verse 8. This is Jesus talking. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. So you've got darkness, but now you've got fire. All right, let's go to another verse. What, what about Revelation 22, 15a? Outside are the dogs, those who pra practice magic arts. So we know there's dogs. And then fourthly, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been throne they will be tormented day and night forever and ever so you find a, a very interesting thing over here don't you see it this is an interesting place there's worms that never die there's fire that's never quenched there's a lake of sulfur there's uh there's dogs but it's utter darkness have you ever seen a fire in a dark place yes what type of fire okay cool Okay, yes. Okay, that's interesting. That's very interesting. The point Jesus is trying to make when he gives these descriptions of hell is that it's a place you don't want to go to. And Jesus is describing to us in human language what it's about. The old mountaineer had lived a full but not exactly saintly life and now was on his deathbed. He summoned his wife, who's busy crying. Sarah, he said, go to the fireplace and take out the third stone from the top. She did as instructed. Reach in there, said her husband, and bring out what you find. Her fingers touched a large mason jar, and with some effort she pulled it up. The jar was full of cash. Sarah, said the old man, when I go... I'm going to take all that money with me. I want you to put that jar up in the attic by the window. I'll get it as I go by on my way to heaven. His wife followed his instructions. That night the old mountaineer died. After the funeral, his wife remembered the mason jar and went to the attic. There was the jar still full of money and by the window. Oh, the widow sighed. I knew I should have put it in the basement. <laughs> this illustration teaches us that the perception is that hell is below us and heaven is above us. That heaven and hell is in this universe where we live. A politician awoke after an operation and found the curtains in his hospital room drawn, closed. Why are the curtains closed? He asked the nurse. Is it nighttime already? No, the nurse replied. But there's a fire across the street, and we didn't want you to wake and think the operation was unsuccessful. We have thought about this a few times. What a prank it would be if you have a family member that goes into the operating room, and you, and, and you know the room you come out of afterwards, and you wake up, and you, have like, you dress up like a little devil, and you, pay, you, you put 
papers and stuff everywhere. It looks like fire. You put up the, the heat in there and this person wakes up after the, the surgery and thinks, oh my goodness, where am I? That would be crazy. Satan and his angels are not physical beings. They are spiritual beings. Our souls are not physical entities. This physical universe is temporary. The Bible is very clear. It will be destroyed. The fire will destroy it all. The planets will be destroyed. And we will all enter God's domain in a world outside or a universe or space or whatever it is. Outside of time, space and matter. All of this will end. So hell and heaven is not a geographical location. It's not like this place. Far better. Well, you might ask, well, why didn't Jesus just say so? Well, I think he tried. We, we can't even imagine what is waiting for us in heaven. Never mind imagine what would happen in a space called hell where God is absent. Thirdly, hell is separation from God. Hell is what you have outside of heaven. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9 to 10, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to, to you. Hell is where God is not. It's where the fruit of the Spirit is not. It's where joy is gone. If heaven is a multiplication of the best of earth, then hell is the multiplication of the worst of earth. Someone explained it this way. Hell is disintegration, the eternal loss of being a real person. In hell, the mathematician who lived for his science can't add two and two. The concert pianist who worshipped himself through his art can't play a simple scale. The man who lived for sex goes on in eternal lust with no body to exploit. The woman who made a god out of fashion has a thousand dresses but no mirror. Hell is eternal desire, eternally unfulfilled. Hell is a result of a life without God. It is a spiritual inner eternal state of depression, hate and schizophrenia, everything that you can think about. Hell feels like a divorce. Hell feels like the death of a child, like the unquenchable addiction of the flesh. Hell feels like soul pain. It, it's that feeling that you get when you lose all your money. Hell feels like being diagnosed with terminal cancer. But with a difference. It's an eternal feeling. And it feels that way because God has shut you out of his presence at your request. You cannot have the life of the rich man and the life of Lazarus in the same way as we read in the text, the selfish life of the rich man. And that is what people want. They don't want God in this life, but they want him suddenly in the next. It is like a married man who sleeps around with other women in the day. But he wants to go home every night and feel the warmth and blessing of a wife that loves him. Shame on you, adulterous man. Shame on you. That woman deserves more than that. Shame on you, human being. 
created by God, blessed by God, loved by God. Cheat on God in this life. Reject Him. But when the night comes, you expect a cozy heaven. Number four, hell is an individually chosen destination. I've spoken about that already. God does not decide for you or for me who goes to heaven or hell. It is a choice we make ourselves. Let's revert back to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 7 to 9. God is just, from verse 6, sorry. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here summarizes neatly for us in very simple terms what is going to get us there. There are basically... Three groups of people that will be excluded from heaven. Satan and his angels, those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel. So firstly, obey the gospel. Do I have to explain that? It's simple. The death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easy to do. Believe Jesus is the son of God. Repent of your sin. Turn to him through the waters of baptism. Live a new life. Live for him. Live by faith in him. Trust in him. Trust in his work on the cross, not your own works. And heaven is yours. And then you build on a relationship with Him. Know Him. Walk with Him. God created us so we can have a relationship with Him. Why would He let us into heaven if we didn't know Him? Who invites people to their parties if they don't even know those people? Why would we want to be in heaven? Another question. Why would we want to be in heaven with God if our whole lives we haven't been interested in Him? It would be totally boring. Why want to go to heaven if you never wanted to know God? Does it make sense? God is like, I think God is like, hey, I don't understand why you get mad about not going to heaven. You have never been interested in me. Or why I created you. Or why I gave you life. You've never been interested. You've breathed the oxygen I created. You've ate, you've eaten the food I've designed. You've walked in the body that I gave you. You've experienced all the beauty of the planet that I gave you. But not once did you ever seek to know me. Yet I gave you all of that. Your lungs breathe on their own. I did that. My life in you. And now after living for 70 years of my stuff. In my world, doing what you want, you are upset that you don't get to live with me forever? It's what you wanted. Atheists generally don't do that. Atheists are generally like, yeah, I don't want to be with God. They die and desire to live the life they have always lived. I want to do things my way. Live life my way, separate from God. That's what they want. So God says, okay. It's the most interesting thing for me that the atheist would complain about hell. But yet it's his choice. Very interesting. And God's like, I respect that. You have free will. And that is what makes our God great. He forces no one to love him. He gives all his love as a free gift. Those who take it and love back, great. Those who don't. It is your choice. 
I found a beautiful quote this week that puts everything neatly in perspective. No one who is ever in hell will be able to say to God, you put me here. And no one who is in heaven will ever be able to say, I put myself here. Jesus said some hardcore things about hell. He certainly didn't speak well of the place. He spoke so much about it. Why? What was he trying to achieve? What was he trying to teach us? If he continually spoke about it and he mentioned it 172 times, what, what was the point? I'd like to suggest to you as I close off four things, in my opinion, as I read the text. He's teaching on hell. He was trying to tell us sin is serious. Sin is serious. John chapter 8 verse 21. Once more Jesus said to them. I'm going away and you will look for me. And you will die in your sin. Where I go you cannot come. This made the Jews ask. Will he kill himself? Is that why he says where I go you cannot come? But he continued. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am here. He, you will indeed die in your sins. We know Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2. That your sin separates you from God. Right? He hides his face from you. Sin keeps you out of heaven. Sin takes you to hell. Why? Because God wants you there? No. Because you can't live with God and live in sin. They contradict each other. Sin is a penalty. Someone has to pay for that. The wages of sin is death. The text says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us. Are by default on our way to eternal destruction. And the only remedy for that. Is Jesus Christ. A new believer was on a plane with an intellectual. You know what an intellectual is right. Uh, a man educated beyond his intelligence. So a new believer was on a plane with an intellectual. And he saw this little. He saw this young lady sitting next to him in the plane. Reading a bible. And he's like sort of sneering at her. And he asked her. Uh, Do you actually believe that stuff? You believe that stuff that you're reading? Um. She said, yes. What about the story of Jonah and the whale? You, you believe that story? And, and um, she says, yes. Um, and, he, and, and then he asks her, well, how did that happen? And, and she says, well, I don't know, but I'll find out when I get to heaven. And, and then he says, well, what if Jonah isn't there? And then she says, then I guess you'll have to ask him for me. People think heaven and hell is ridiculous because they don't understand the seriousness of sin. It's complexity and it's consequences. But more on that in a moment's time. So that's number one. Number two, God is holy. Matthew 10 verse 28. Listen to this text. This, it shook me a bit when I read this this week. Matthew 10 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I want to go back to a point that I made earlier. Hell is not a place to be feared. Look carefully at this text. Jesus is speaking here about hell. To instill in us a fear for God. Fear the one who can put you there. Our fear should not be hell. Our fear should be the God who is a consuming fire according to the book of Hebrews. Fear the creator of heaven and earth. The issue is that you are disrespecting God. By doing what you want that hurts people. That annoys God. Listen carefully. There isn't a sin you can commit that doesn't hurt somebody. 
Read that again. There isn't a sin that you can commit that doesn't hurt anybody or hurt somebody. That is why the penalty of sin is so severe. Because when I lie, there's ripple effects. When I lust, there's ripple effects in me and in my future partner. When I watch pornography, we think, well, that's just on me. No, it has an effect because it's going to affect your sex life. And you are, you are, you are fueling an, a multi-million dollar industry that's causing the downfall, the, the moral degradation of society. There is no sin that doesn't hurt somebody else. And God's like, there's going to be a judgment. And people will have to pay for this. Because they've caused havoc and hurt in the lives of other people. We are living in God's world. With His oxygen. With His body. With His time. With His blessings. And His pleasures. And when you abuse these things. He has the full sovereign right as the creator to punish, expel, and destroy. The words we say. The things we do. They hurt people. And God should just be fine with that. No. There's just too many ripple effects. God would be unjust if he did not exalt his holiness through letting Christless sinners pay for their sins. Thirdly, the message is urgent. Jesus preaches about hell because the message is urgent. Jesus gave the great commission, go make disciples. And the apostle Peter in his first gospel sermon said this in chapter 2 verse 40. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourself from what? From eternal destruction. There's a beautiful movie. I might have spoken about this before. Dolly Parton. You, you want to watch a cute movie? Go watch this. Very cool. Coat of many colors. She went to church every Sunday as a little girl. And I think it was her. Yes, it was her dad. Her mom was a believer. The dad wasn't. And the dad would go with his truck and he would just park outside the church but never go in. And one day, the mom, she was just so filled with love and her heart was just for her husband. She went to him and she said to him, I love you so much that the time with you on this earth is not enough. I love you so much that the time with you on this earth is not enough. She wanted him in heaven, not just for 20 years on the planet. She wanted him in heaven with her, but she knew that without Christ, he would be in hell. A few Sundays down the line, he walked into the church because of that love that his wife showed him. We have loved ones and friends who are in hell already. Jesus is saying to you today, are you going to wait till they die before you are concerned about their souls? It's interesting that when people die, then everybody wonders, like, I wonder if they're in heaven or hell. Or did you think about that before? We have a huge responsibility. The fact that Jesus preaches about this place means that we need to wake up. And we need to start praying for the people in our lives who are desperately, deeply lost. And then lastly, the cross is incredible. The reason why Jesus teaches about hell is to um, magnify the cross. The judgment scene that Jesus depicts in Matthew 25 verse 31 to 46 says, There are just two groups of people, goats and sheep. 
That's it. Goats and sheep. Just like gender and sex. Just like that's not on a spectrum. So sinners in God's mind are not on a spectrum. It's important to think about this. You're either in or you're out. You're either a goat or a sheep. You're not half goat, half sheep. 60% goat, 40% sheep. No, you're a goat or you're a sheep. And you don't become a goat or a sheep based on how good you are. Based on how clever you are or how morally pure you are. You become a sheep through Jesus. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The cross turns goats into sheep. When a goat comes and kneels before the cross, God wipes away their sin as a free gift and transforms that goat into a sheep. We get to avoid hell, not because we are good, but because he is good. And so the teaching of hell magnifies the incredible story of the cross. We get to avoid a deep pit of sulfur because of what Jesus did. So I want to ask a question this morning. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? And that he was resurrected from the grave? Have you gone the full extent of obeying the gospel? Have you been baptized? If you have, you have no reason to fear hell. Hell shouldn't be a concern for you. But if you haven't, and this is not me speaking. This is Jesus speaking. This is Paul speaking. You are in big trouble. Not because you're not a good person. Maybe you've only sinned once in your life. Here's the problem. God is so holy that even one sin will kick you out of heaven. It's not about how good you are. It's about whether you trust in Christ or not. And you show that you trust in Him by believing in Him, giving your life for Him, and being immersed in His name. And maybe that's something that you need to do if you haven't done it. I'm washing my hands today in front of all of you. And I'm declaring to you that I have laid the choice in front of you today. The day is going to come where you will die and I will die. And whether I know Christ or not is dependent on this life while I'm alive and what I do with him. Please take responsibility for your eternal life. And if you need to get yourself right through obedience to the gospel, don't wait. Don't wait. If you're ready, make that formal commitment. Verbally say what Jesus wants you to hear through the great confession. And prepare yourself for the waters of baptism and all is good. Stand up, please, if you don't mind, and then we'll sing the final song.